Hi, welcome back to Make Do. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm Tiff Armin. And it turns out that the topic of organization hit a nerve <laughs> with a lot of listeners. Yeah, everyone seemed to really like it and get organized or maybe think about getting organized, which is my favorite thing to think about a project and talk about a project, <laughs> right? but then never do the project. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I felt the urge to get up and clean just as strongly like the second time around when I was editing the episode oh, <laughs> as maybe? when we were recording. I was like, oh, no, wait, I have to finish. But the, but I think I have a box. But, but I did, in fact, like clear out and reorganize and... I think almost primarily, like I got rid of a bunch and like gave it away or, but like consolidating, you know, like I was talking about like not making things too like granular, yeah. uh, not having too many little boxes, just being like, no, this can go together and that I can find it. And also like when you do that stuff, you will find those like four boxes of things where you're like, oh, this is where the, you know, the other half of this supply is. So it felt felt really good. What about you? Well, I started. The top of my desk is still an absolute disaster, but a couple of the drawers have been repurposed and reorganized for things that I actually use instead of just collecting a whole bunch of garbage really inside of them. And uh, I did start the idea in my head of cleaning out my craft room. Well, I don't really have a craft room. It's kind of our guest bedroom where I shove crafts into drawers that are around. And I've opened those drawers and I've taken some things out and I've put them to the side. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I even stopped myself from like going back into the box of stuff to be given away or gotten rid of. Where I was like, well, what if I want to knit with beads someday? And it's like, Ooh. Julia, if that time comes in, you know, eight years, you can buy beads. It's yeah. okay. They don't need to live with you now. And, you know, my mom who makes miniatures will be a lot happier with beads that she can repurpose into chandeliers or tiny caviar I don't know like it's just it's not it's not doing its job here so yeah I got rid of a lot of beads like a lot of stuff that I had like all like the crystals uh, and everything and they're just all they're all in a box ready to go somewhere so if anyone wants some beads um, <laughs> let me know pearls I got all kinds of stuff crazy jewelry stuff so uh we're gonna talk about photography this week uh, writing with light photographia uh and it was funny because we were both like, wait, didn't we? But we haven't really. We haven't gotten into it. Which is another kind of mess, actually, because digital files make such a big mess. I have to clean out my digital files. It, my computer's just as messy as my mm -hmm. real life. Like, I'm, it, I'm pretty good about my computer-ish. My problem is my phone because I have an Android, so it doesn't do that like album-y thing quite the mm -hmm. same way that I think iPhones do, the way I've sort of gathered that they do. So like I backed it up to this, uh, you know, one terabyte hard drive because I have so many photos in there that I don't, you know, I, I kind of want to keep, but I don't necessarily need them around. Yeah. But then I have to go through and like, so I will do like when I'm bored or, you know, listening to a podcast or waiting for something to finish, I'll just like go through and delete 150 pictures every now and then just to get rid of them. Wow. And then I'm like, but what if I want to, you know, send someone this cute picture of a cat? And I kind of feel the same way with the beads. Like, huh. you can take a new one. Or if you need a very specific one, maybe you won't be able to, to make that joke in that moment. But you'll be okay. Yeah, I have folders all over the place full of, like, when we bought our house. And, like, all the things that I wanted to do to the house and change and, and decorate-wise. Because that was, like, my sole focus. And I have just folders and folders and folders of pictures. Because this was all before Pinterest existed. That just kept it somewhere else for you. So I'm like, oh, I have to go through it. But then I start looking through that folder. And I'm like, oh, no, all these things are so pretty. <laughs> like, I don't want to <laughs> lose them. But I really should. I should just delete it. Just delete it. Or you could, you know pin them onto Pinterest and then delete them. I could, but then that's like a whole process. Like it's putting in a lot more work than they deserve. You know, like <laughs> keeping is low work and deleting is low work, but moving, that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Moving and organizing. So I was curious because we're going to get into your like photography as, you know, a business, a professional thing, but I'm curious, like your general sort of basic background story because for instance, like I've, I was a super like moody artsy teen, so I loved taking pictures in black and white, of course, um, and you know getting them developed because you had to go get them developed, and I loved getting them developed with like a, a white frame, like you know they were developed mm -hmm. slightly smaller than the paper. I was like, this is already like taking all these, and I had all these great ideas, but I hadn't really learned what to do, like you know probably from the age of ten onward. And I was gosh, always you and I are so the same. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are children of a generation. And, and, you know, and then I was interested, like, I like to play with old cameras. We had some really old Soviet cameras that I would play with. 
and and then um, when I was like 20, when we moved back from from the U.S., I took a sort of community college style class and like both photography as such, but also darkroom classes, which was so much fun. And uh, I found somebody was clearing out, I forget, some like local organization. So I got to buy really cheaply a whole darkroom setup that I could have in my parents' basement, which was amazing. And then like slowly you get away from that because I didn't have my parents' basement anymore because they moved. And so, so I've like, I've, I continue to appreciate it, but I don't like, I don't feel that same drive and I don't have as much time for it, I think. And you get used to just like taking more or less nice pictures of everything with your phone. I've had to get into some of the like kind of more boring stuff with product photography for, you know, for my website, for the, for the online store, which means that I have some of the not as like fun and sexy photography gear, like, oh, you know, these big lights, like big product photography lights. And like, I have to have somewhat good backgrounds and a tripod because I get, my arms get very tired just like standing there taking picture after picture of like several angles of a vase. But I think that's also like good to have as like that very boring basic knowledge. Anyway, that's, that's my story. So you're, you start out the same, sounds like. Yeah, basically. But uh, it was funny as you ask me questions about this kind of stuff in my life. And I tell you like the 15 different lives that I've lived, they all kind of started the same where I really liked a thing. I was very into it, but I was way too afraid to like go all in because Mm -hmm. I was like not that kid or like, or I would try and I would hit a roadblock and I wasn't confident in myself enough to push past that roadblock so I remember I've always wanted to take like darkroom classes and stuff in high school like the other cool kids and (laughs) I just never did Uh, my dad had an old camera that I loved pulling out and playing with and and taking moody photos of things and I had no idea what I was doing with it it just I knew it had big lenses and I loved using like the biggest most zoomy lens um And again, just like you said, getting them developed, uh, getting the film developed with that white border. As soon as I discovered (laughs) that, I am like, I am creative God. (laughs) (laughs) And it just, and I never actually took the class. A couple of friends of mine um, took like the darkroom classes and stuff in high school. And I never did. Although when I worked on yearbook, I made sure that like I had the camera in my hands and I took all the moody pictures of like crossing a bridge and here's some feet walking on some sand. And we, I put it all in the yearbook. So my moody picture are all over our yearbook. I like that. <laughs> so they, they do live on. <laughs> They're in print somewhere uh, because there was only three women who worked on the yearbook. We did the entire thing ourselves and it was, uh, we, we got to do what we wanted. So it was pretty great. Um, I was on school newspaper in San Diego, but uh, we only had like a, a Polaroid camera. So we would take the pictures and then like scan them in. And because I mean, this is in, you know, literally at the shift of the millennium and i i promise there were better cameras than that but that was how it worked oh we had some great camera equipment because we had like a whole photography class and everything so for yearbook we got to like kind of use the great cameras and anytime we wanted because we're like oh i have to go shoot a sporting event and it's like haha yeah, no, the, the yearbook had good cameras for some reason we just weren't allowed them actually that reminds me that uh later working as a journalist uh you also and I'm kind of of two minds about it. Like you have to take a lot of pictures because so many places, um, you know, they don't want to spend the money on a photographer or they don't have the time or whatever. And on the one hand, I'm like, you know, I'm a decent enough photographer. I can get some good like portrait shots. I can get some, you know, environment shots. But at the same time, I'm like, but this is, you know, it is a profession and an art and I like doing it, but I kind of also want to let people who do it as a living and have way more experience I want to, you know, have them get to do it. Oh, yeah. And then that's like the mistake that we ended up making for our wedding and that like we we thought, well, oh, so the story goes, I didn't do anything in high school, um, even though I really wanted to besides like messing around with some yearbook uh, cameras. And then I tried to get into a photography class in college and it was super competitive to get into the classes. And I was put on a wait list and never called in and it just kind of slipped by because there was never room in my schedule. I went all in on theater instead. And um, so it was always like kind of in the background, like just out of reach, but it wasn't so important to me to like push and try. And also I was really scared of being bad at it. Right. Cause it was like mm-hmm. super like putting your art out there or trying to have an eye. And it was like, I don't know, I can take pictures of a tree and be like, yes, it is my moody tree. But like, <laughs> is this really, or am I just pretending? And 
And I think with, I think for me, and I think I'm assuming the same for you because we're just the same person. (laughs) There's also something about how photography feels a little bit like when you're in your teens or your early twenties, like it feels like the, the balance into obviously pretentious is more precarious somehow. Like with art, you can be like, you know, I, I put in the effort. So even if it's, a, you know a moody seascape it's still like yeah you did this so you don't have to go into what this seascape represents but with photography you kind of feel at the same time as you like being the pretentious moody uh over intellectual teenager you're also kind of in the back of your mind feeling that like I could very easily be made fun of for this Do you, does that make sense do you know what mm-hmm. I mean oh yeah absolutely because like photography everyone sees the the image that you're capturing but like i feel like you a really good fo- like a really great photograph is something that like you're seeing the world in a different way that someone else hasn't seen before and you're grabbing it and you're capturing it and you're mm-hmm. lighting it in a certain way or you're framing it in a certain way and there are elements that like make a photograph or a painting or any of these artistic things appealing. And if you're able to harvest that and harness it, it is, it's really can be very, very magical and, and very skilled. And it was just like, I didn't, I didn't have any awareness of that kind of stuff as a teenager. I mean, who does really, there are very, very few people that do. I mean, I think that they are amazing when they, they do have it. But I don't, I think I was just afraid of being a pretentious jerk. Um, or <laughs> I thought like, that that is it right like you you have this pretension kind of built into you a little bit when you want to be an artistic teenager but then you get really afraid of it at the same time mm-hmm. it's like this balance between this overconfidence and then this total debilitating fear that that just waffles inside of your brain every single day and i think also when you're younger like with with painting or drawing being able to replicate something is the impressive thing but with Mm -hmm. a photograph you're like yes this is you know this is what it is and there has to be something more there but I think you're not maybe like prepped yet or primed yet to be able to understand what it is you like about pictures you're like because you're either like well this you know is a really really well framed photograph or something about the shadows so you're like, well, I don't want to just take a picture of a building. It has to be something about the angle, but you don't quite know why you like certain pictures. So you can't really replicate it. So you're just like, this just feels forced. There's also the life experience too, a little bit where it's like when you're young and you're experiencing and doing art things, you can either stumble upon something that's very unique because you have that naive, like, basically built into who you are just because you haven't seen everything there's no possible Mm -hmm. way so you can stumble upon something being great and new and fresh just by being young but then at the same time you can try to put more meaning into something that everyone has seen before when it's new to you and so like that your your naivety like comes out in your inexperience and everyone's like wow moody tree that's been done a thousand (laughs) times and you're like but it's my first amazing moody tree right but to you it's brand new but to everyone else they've seen it a thousand times yeah and that's a because it has to be kind of I think part of your path to do all the either cliches or mistakes Mm -hmm. but it's not fun when people point out that that's what you're doing and I think that that is what's difficult about the art world in general or anyone learning any kind of art or artistic endeavor or anything creative really it's that finding a way to have a unique, interesting voice that hasn't been seen a million times and that is like yours. And that's what's tricky, right? Because it's like sometimes something is new to you and it ends up you realize, oh, this is a giant trope. Like how, you know, like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's like, oh, hand holding a balloon. Like, oh, I painted this picture and it feels so cool and fresh to me. But it's like, oh my God, there's 10,000 paintings of like hand holding a balloon or you know but at the same time you know cliches are cliches for a reason anyway yeah. now we've gotten into the philosophical what is oh art? i know i know uh, but, but, okay so keep going uh you you uh, didn't get to go to... i didn't take any formal classes yeah i didn't take any formal classes in photography at all and it it kind of happened where um marco and i you know we met each other in college and we continued dating and da 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 we moved in together he started taking pictures for a um a website and 
they bought him like a nice camera to have as for work. So naturally, as his girlfriend at the time, I was like, let me see that camera. (laughs) So I started playing around with it. And it eventually happened that for, I believe, my birthday or Christmas, we it was probably Christmas. We bought each other um, nice cameras, like for us to have like hours, that would be hours. And those were um, Canon 5D Mark IIs. It was a mutual decision that this is what we were going to invest in because we were having such a great time exploring and having fun with photography, uh, both of us. So we were just like, we would take them out every weekend and we'd walk around town and take pictures of like the fruit stand or like, you know, here's our lunch or here's like apple picking, hand holding things, you know, (laughs) I feel like living in New York just make. I'm assuming you lived in New York at this point. That just mm-hmm. makes it unfair to like, oh, that's where you practice photography. Go, you know. Walking through Manhattan, head. taking pictures of street fairs, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was just, it was every day for us, right? Because we were both commuting into the city and we would spend weekends um, in the city sometimes or we'd be upstate with my family. So I'm like, you know, early morning walk. Here's like a wet spider web and I'm going to take a picture of it, you know, like all that, I got really into that kind of stuff. And, um, it was, it is a lot of practice and it's a lot of just take a ton of really, really, really bad pictures. And -hmm. then you start getting better. And gradually I moved the different settings of the camera and I got more and more confident and I moved into like full manual mode because I would get frustrated with settings, making decisions for me. And I'm like, no, I don't want the aperture to be this. I want it to be this, or I want my F-stop to be that. Like, it was just, I got angry that the camera was deciding for me how it wanted a picture to look when I wanted it to be overexposed or underexposed or, you know, I really like when, um, I would get, uh, big light beams into my photos and it becomes all misty and, and soft. And so like, I started taking joy in that. And we got to the point where uh, where we were about to get married and we were thinking like, oh, we're so good at photography. Yeah, not really. But still, <laughs> you think like you're so good. We don't need to spend all of this crazy money on a photographer, especially because at the time, no one was offering digital images. And that's all we wanted, right? We didn't want mm-hmm. the big like elaborate books and pictures and all that stuff. It's like we just wanted all the files so like we can have them and do what we wanted with them. So we decided against spending, you know, half of our wedding budget, which was very, very small at the time, to on a photographer, uh, which felt like they were charging so much. Um, and so we had a friend do it with our cameras, which turned out it was they weren't that great at the time. And um, it was it was a big mistake <laughs> because yeah. our pictures came out like crap. Not that our friend was crap, but that they weren't a professional. They didn't know who to line up or what to do or how to run a wedding or it was totally new to them. Yeah, I think that's a skill that people really, really don't realize. It's not just, you know, having the and you, you hear that a lot from so many photographers that or from you know people who are hobbyists and not real photographers that people think like, oh, you have a good camera. So the pictures come out good. And it's nope. like that's not it's not the oven that does the work, you know, I mean, actually, it kind of is. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not the stove. <laughs> Because you have to understand all the things about like what light is good, what poses make people look good, not just like what are classic wedding poses. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to try this? Do you want to try that? And, and also, you have to be the one to direct all that. Like the photographer is in charge of all that. They don't just show up and everyone just knows what to do. Exactly. And like getting the feeling for the kind of person you're working with. And mm-hmm. on top of that, yeah, like all the wrangling of all the family and, and stuff, just like understanding that. If you just want to get a friend to do it, yeah, but it's going to look like, you know, it's going to look like a Facebook album and that's not bad, but you have to know that that's what you're most likely going to get because it's a skill and it's a like very much a skill in an art form. So that's how we, well, that's how I ended up um, deciding to do wedding photography because I was like, I can do a lot better than this. <laughs> and if I'm focused on doing a wedding and I... This seems like something that I can really, really do um, well. And I want to be able to offer a low price point that it's just the digital images. I saw that there was a big lack of photographers doing that at the time. And it was really difficult for us to find somebody in our price range that would just give us some digital images. Basically, like a wedding photographer for nerds. You know, like that's... Do you want to hear something that's going to make some people gasp with shock? Go ahead. So... Uh, my nine, my, mine, our, our wedding anniversary, ninth wedding anniversary is 
this summer. I don't know if I told you in Sweden, that's ceramics. Really funny. <laughs> um, we, I don't think, have a single printed image from our wedding. I think we've been like for the first two Christmases, we promised both sets of parents that we would get them like, you know, a nice like actual paid printout <laughs> framed. Mm-hmm. Still nothing. The, like I think one of the few like nice pictures of each other. We have one printed picture of us and it's from our, our like trial engagement shoot. And it's just like us smi- smiling at each other in black and white. But really like because I don't look in photo albums that often. I don't have that many pictures of people around my house. Mm-hmm. I like my phone. <laughs> I like, you know, I like my Dropbox. I like my, my um, you know, my Facebook album. And that's also where it's way more likely that I'm going to show other people my wedding album. Anyway, that's that's just me. But... <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, it's just a different generation of how people would share photos. And it's, it felt like the wedding industry wasn't catching up because they I found some amazing photographers when I was looking and then they had like here's their giant packages and then it's like ten thousand dollars for the digital prints it's like oh my gosh I can't I can't like there's just we had such a small budget at the time for our wedding and if I say what the budget is some people are going to be like oh my god that's such a huge budget but then other people are going to be like oh my god that's almost no money at all but it was small like it was for what we wanted to do um And again, it wasn't super elaborate. The wedding was like at my parents' house. So we weren't like renting a venue, but we did have to rent tents and still get someone to make food and all that stuff. The photography, um, we thought we had it covered. We were being so smart and it was so, so wrong. So I started doing wedding photography when I got laid off from my costume job because, um, you know, you kind of have to wait around for them to call you back for the costume shop. And I was like, well, I have a camera and I know how to use it. And I think I can do a pretty good job. So I'm not afraid to use it. And I'm not afraid to use it. Um, So I posted on Craigslist and I was like, hey, anybody want a free wedding photographer? Because I just really needed to practice. Um, I needed to build up a book, but I didn't feel like I could charge somebody to be like, hi, you're my very first wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me with your lifetime memories. Like that seems terrifying. But the right people came along and there were two people that took a chance on me. Um, The very first one I did for free, they had a a very low budget wedding and it happened to be at like the church that was a couple doors down from where we lived, which was crazy. Um, So that was easy, no commuting, just kind of (laughs) walked over there and took some pictures. but it worked out great and I got to experiment with a lot of stuff and they were really happy with it because they got a free photographer with a whole bunch of digital files that just kind of came to them exactly what they wanted. You know, like there's a lot of nuance to it and there's no way to know exactly what you're doing until you actually do it. So um, I'm really thankful for those first people that took a chance on me. And then um, again, I think through Craigslist, I met another couple uh, I shot their wedding for a very low, very little money, but I did start charging, um, after my first one and it kind of just built from there. I just started getting work. Like it was, it was kind of insane to me that people would find you. I mean, they would just start searching for their area and who would do weddings. And I really did very little advertising. Um, I advertised here and there, and I would only shoot outdoor weddings because um, I didn't want to invest in tons of lighting. I had small, you know, lighting things for um, on the dance floor and stuff, especially when they were intense, you needed a little extra at night, but I didn't want anything on my camera because it just washes everybody out. And so I had a I had a pretty good run a few years of doing weddings and weddings are tricky because they book a year in advance, at least in order to get the weekends and days they wanted. I recruited Marco to be my second, my second shooter. So I didn't have to pay him. Um, it's like, come on, husband, we're going to go drive upstate, shoot a wedding today. And he just needed to show up for the day, walk around, take some pictures. And, and he loved it too, because he was into photography and didn't have a ton of ways to stretch that creative part. And, but doing second shooting, he did because there was no pressure for him. He was extra or he was, um, you know, shooting the groom while I was shooting the bride for like getting ready shots and stuff. And, uh, it was, it worked out really well because he just gave me his files at the end of the day. And then I would do all the work with all the editing and putting together collections and, um, 
things. And I definitely did not pay myself enough. I didn't charge enough. I started charging more, um, as I got more confident and my skills got better and I knew what I was doing. And then, you know, I started pushing up my prices that felt more reasonable, but, and then, um, by the time I started having, like, we started deciding to start a family, I kind of cut back on doing weddings because it's like, wow, if I book this in a year, and I get pregnant and I'm going about to give birth. I cannot be <laughs> shooting your wedding. And at the last minute, I can't be like, oh, BT dubs, um, about to push out a kid. I, uh, I totally can't make your wedding. Sorry's <laughs> like, you can't do that to people. So I stopped booking those and I started just doing like, you know, small family shoots and engagements and, um, maternity shoots and that kind of stuff. And eventually tapered those out too, because taking care of a, a newborn child takes a lot of time. Um, <laughs> Is and, that so? yeah, it does. It's, um, it's a big deal. <laughs> and I started to try and get back into it a little bit once my time started coming back to me, but realistically it turned out like I didn't love it enough to keep on going. I was like, okay, I did that. What's next? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's just, who I am as a person. And I'm like, okay, next life. What am I doing now? Um, but yeah, that's basically my professional story. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> like what, what, what was your favorite part about not just like necessarily weddings as such, but about like being, you know, a capital P photographer, I guess. It was again, another one of those jobs that it was kind of fun to tell people that you were, you know, like, Oh, I'm a wedding. Oh, that's cool. Like, you know, it just feels like it's a fun, creative thing that feels important in someone's life, you know, that you're capturing photos of their wedding. And then when someone would look at your work and they're like, Oh, wow, I really like what you do. Like that feels amazing, right? Like to, (laughs) for someone to be impressed with something that you've created. And I guess that that's kind of brings us back around to the idea of like, what is art, um, in photography, because like I would manipulate my photos a lot. Um, I love Photoshop. I love messing <laughs> around with everything. I love giving them a mood that feels very much mine. And um, so that creative process was really fulfilling for me. And it was a lot of fun. And people really seemed to like my work. And I would get work based on, you know, someone seeing someone else's wedding and being like, I want that for my wedding. That, you know, that's awesome. And it feels really, really good. And I already forgot your question because I'm remembering how good that felt. <laughs> that was the good part. What was, what was like, what were challenges? What was, what sucked? Uh, the pressure. The, definitely that sucked. Um, I remember once having a, a camera fail, like a, a card oh, no. fail. And it's absolutely terrifying because like that's, that's everything. That's what you have. We ended up recovering the images, but like, oh my gosh, like that is terrifying. And that was like one of those points where it's like, I don't, I don't need this pressure. Um, also insurance, um, having your own business and being terrified of the sue everyone mentality that you think everybody has, like you're going out on sites and worrying about, um, you know, if someone hurts themselves on one of your equipment, like, they could sue you and it could be really bad or they could like sue you for like not getting the picture you want. Or I don't know. It was just like, I set up a, you know, everything was separate and and we did it on the up and up. And I remember this one shoot where the venue wanted me to get like over a million dollars worth of insurance coverage. Um, not that I paid the million million dollars, but that's how much they wanted the insurance to um, be able to cover. Right. Um, starting at that. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's so much pressure and so scary. At that shoot, one of like the old grandmas in the wedding tripped over one of my lights. Like she just didn't see it. I had it like in the corner, like down with a hand, like um, a big sandbag and everything. Like I had it done as safely as possible. She should not have been walking through like the tent ropes where my lighting equipment was and everything. It, But she fell on my stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, please don't, please don't look. This could be the the end of everything, right? Like it's just that amount of fear wasn't worth it because I didn't need this to be my business, uh, which is extremely privileged, but that is just the facts of where I was coming from. And it was like that kind of stuff. I didn't, I didn't need that stress. I didn't love it enough to 
push past all of that um, and be like, yes, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Um, constantly chasing clients, const- not that it was tricky, but still it was part of the work. Um, getting all the contracts signed, making sure everyone was like, okay, with images being posted everywhere, you have to have release forms and everything has to be on the legal up and up. You have to make sure no one's selling your photos. Like there's so many little legal things and getting contracts signed and making sure you're working with the right people or people don't call you back when, you know, if they put down a deposit and then they ghost and you're like, wait a minute, I have this money. What's going to happen now? Like, there's a lot of different things or people don't pay you and their wedding day is coming. And you're like, um, I need thousands of dollars from you. <laughs> like, you're like, are we, or are we not? But yeah, that's in general, like having your own business, even mm-hmm. when things run completely smoothly, yep. there's still a ton of admin that isn't there when you work for someone else. And I gotta say it did get easier. Like I had my contracts ready to go. I had like everything was kind of falling into place in terms of like I was getting used to doing it all you know like it was just getting easier and easier because the more you do something the easier it gets and so it was becoming more of a um a a routine really to book a new wedding or or a new client Uh, I do remember once I had to fire a client essentially and be like, I'm not shooting your wedding. Um, I took engagement photos for them and they were absolutely impossible to work with. And I was like, I can either choose to have the most headache driven experience ever with these clients or cut and run now. And Mm -hmm. I chose to cut and run. And that was really difficult to approach and, and tell them that, um, but in the long run, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm really glad that I did this because uh, there was just, I saw all the warning signs of this going badly. And I'm glad that I went with my instinct and, and stopped it because <laughs> that could have been bad. But I mean, in the future, like I could have had a time where that I didn't follow my instincts and it would have been terrible, right? So there, there are ups and downs, but if you love it enough, then, you know, you make it through all the downs. Yeah. Um, I think we can come back to like specific things that you learned from all your from your life in that. But I wanted to, to like get sort of like what you were hinting at the more sort of philosophical part of it because I have the the not at all vague and broad question here in our notes of like is photography art and is it always art? Um, where like and it kind of you know it with the way technology works but also just the way people have used you know cameras since cameras were a thing it can also be just like you know the equivalent of doodling like yes sure it's an expression or capturing something briefly but does that make it art how do you because i've i you know i've i've been working with the the stockholm's uh, museum of photography which actually has a um i want to call it a franchise that's not what it is but they have a building in New York that you can go to if anyone is interested. But, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, doing a lot of interviews and things with them. And there's just so even within what is accepted or like acknowledged as art art in photography, there's still so many different levels of it. Like you have, you know, someone who's just a very, very good sort of documentary or photojournalist photographer, who's just like has the skill and the daring to go to annoying places or sit and wait for 14 hours for a certain bird to walk into a certain dappled sunlight, you know, part of the woods or whatever. And then you have the people who set up a scene, you know, who have, you know, the painting in their mind and then they set up a scene and they like do all the styling and then people who do tons of digital photo manipulation. And it's just, it's just interesting because I think of it sometimes as a little bit like with, with writing, you have certain journalists who are very much reporters and then you have journalists who even when they're doing an interview or writing a story there's artistry there do you know what i mean oh yeah completely but i find that to be true in any art form i mean you just mentioned writing uh, i think that's true in painting i think it's true in photography that there are different avenues for how to bring this specific medium to like to become creative, right? Like, just like you said, there's the kind of the journalistic side. Um, I mean, you could say that with paint, you know, you can even go into it with painting. I mean, how many different ways are there to paint something or make a collage or like, I've, like we talked about in one episode, like that one sunset in that one 
part of a specific countryside. Right. And then I I see, I feel that with photography and that like all the different ways that you can make a photograph is so interesting and all of them are valid, right? There there's beauty and artistry and expertise in all forms of it. It's just a matter of, are you good at that form? You know, like if you're talking about photo manipulation in Photoshop, I don't find that to be any less creative or interesting or wonderful than someone who waits for the perfect moment of the sunset to like grab a photo. I think that those are two different skills using the same tool, but that's what's so interesting and wonderful about all art forms. It's like you can put the same tool into multiple people's hands and they will all come back with something that's so different because they're doing something that is theirs. You know, there's the photojournalist, there's the, um, you know, the digital manipulating photographer, there's the person that sets everything up like a perfect painting, like still life, and then takes a picture of it. There are so many different ways to do that. And I think that that's, it's all really cool. And none of it is cheating or fake or a lie (laughs) because it's all creative, right? Like, I feel like that's the the general sort of philosophy of this podcast is like nothing yeah. is cheating. But you know what was always my Oh, I still of... feel like tracing is cheating even though I do it and I like it. <laughs> One thing that always made me sad, especially like say 10 or 15 years ago before, you know, phones had decent cameras, is when you have a really good camera and you get to somewhere in my case, like it was certain naturescapes and in, in one or two cases, aquariums, where you get really good shots and then you're like, these just look like PC backgrounds like they just look like desktop images because the camera is good enough to get a really saturated clear um, non-blurry shot when you've set it up right and just the the scenery is just too gorgeous you know what I mean like because then it, it having a really good shot of something kind of meant that you had to have decent enough gear but like I have but several it's also knowing albums, how I to think. use it, right? Like not everyone can just like go to an aquarium and take <laughs> a stunning photo. It's like it is available and impossible for anyone to do if they want to do it, but not everyone can do it. And so I don't I don't see that as like a sad but like that's something that but I've more, been thinking but about. But more to the like it's it's almost not fun to show people. Not quite in the sense of like mm-hmm. everyone takes the same picture, but more where it's like this Oh, like, does the world need another picture of the Eiffel Tower? Like, no, more no. more like people are going to think that I'm cheating because this mm. is just like, it's just a good picture. But is there any soul in that one hill that is on the Windows desktop? You See, know that's I mean? exactly something that I've been thinking about recently in terms of photography. Uh, if thinking about it um, as I'm using like Instagram more and trying to be more thoughtful in like the photos that I'm posting there and and essentially like curating it curating my Instagram feed more than just like, oh, here's a picture of my kid. Now I'm like being more thoughtful about it, being thinking about what photo is going to be next to another photo and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's just been a fun game for me to play. But I think about like, if I take a picture of a building, you know, am I essentially quote unquote cheating because it's like the beauty of the architecture is where the art is and not so much my photo of it or what it or like I take a picture of um you know a meal that shows up and it's like from a beautiful restaurant and they like meticulously place the little mint leaf like at the right angle it's like I didn't make this thing I took a picture of it with my phone like did someone else do the actual work I and, feel like but it's like this picture of my, is this really interesting and again it's like finding those photos that are both beautiful uh displaying something but also have a little bit of soul to them and I think that's the trick I really appreciate, I mean, I appreciate your Instagram and I appreciate, you know, that kind of uh, sort of Instagram feed that's thought out as opposed to mine was just like kitties makeup. Um, but, but I, feel I like also, also love those feeds. So don't stop. <laughs> don't stop kitties makeup feeds because I need those too. Yeah. No, but, but where, because I think like, okay, so maybe this isn't, and like, I love Instagram accounts where like, Hey, look at these 94 influencers taking the exact same shot on this cliff or whatever. But it's like, yeah, but I don't see the 94 in my feed because I feel like you still need, like you said, like you need an artistic eye to see like, okay, wait, this angle, you know, of this building is great and you can see this great reflection. And even if it's not a super artistic, it's just like, this is a pretty picture and there Mm -hmm. is value in that. Like you can just, 
you know, I just like, I like having pretty things in my Instagram feed and that's okay. It doesn't always have to be like, oh, look, this pigeon in front of this building is a commentary on the, you know, unbearable lightness of caffeine in our modern age. Sometimes we can just be like, hey, this reflection looked cool. Hey, this is a cool building. Like, I think that's- (laughs) This dog is fluffy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I feel like that's okay too. Absolutely. Here's where I sort of turn on my- uh, annoying academic hat because you know like I you know I have a master's in film studies blah 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 and one of the oh. early right <laughs> there's a philosopher called uh, Walter Benjamin I think he was German so it's not Benjamin but uh, he was um, he was active in the like uh, early to mid 20th century uh, and he wrote one of his most famous um, essays is called The Work of Art in the Age of Mechanical Reproduction and and he talks both about like film, film, like motion picture type film and photography. And it's not just mechanical reproduction in the sense of making copies of a thing that he talks about that as well, but also like making does, copies. <laughs> but also like does a because fo- he talks about this thing called that he called, and I think I've mentioned this before, like the aura of a thing, like when you see a, a mountain and you you get an experience of the mountain, and when someone paints that mountain it still has like the painting of the mountain has some of that aura still and the picture has its own aura because it comes through a person and like they put something of themselves in that but then if you like photograph or copy that painting you diminish that and he has a lot of like different opinions and there's been a lot of talk about like can a photograph in and of itself like if you take a picture if you take a photograph of that mountain is that then just like, can that have an aura or is it just like a captured representation of that mountain? And can photography be art? Can photography have soul and aura? And I I feel a little bit like, you know, dudes with vinyl, like, which is like, well, you can't get the same sound on a CD as you can on vinyl. It's <laughs> like, you're true. It's not going to hiss as much. But, you know, like, I feel part you're of true, his it's argument. It's not going to sound worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like part of his, you know, argumentation there does feel a little bit like newfangled technology. Back in my day, we ignored each other by reading the newspaper on the bus. Um, but it is still an interesting discussion, partly because of that, like, well, can just a photograph also have a soul and have an artistic purpose? Uh, and then also, like, okay, so does... Does it take a level of intent or does it, you know, because like I think that photography can be art in the same way that painting something can be art, but not necessarily. But it's not like I would say like, well, you know, these quick urban sketches that people do or whatever the equivalent of an iPhone picture would be. I wouldn't say that's not art. I would say like, well, that's maybe not, you know, high art, great art. But then you get into more of the discussion of like, okay, so what kind of time do you need or to invest or content or, or materials? Or it also depends on who's taking the picture, you know? Yeah. Somebody with an iPhone, like just than anybody with an iPhone is way different than like a art somebody with an iPhone. I can't think of someone right now, but like, you know, you put an iPhone in the hands of a really, really great photographer and they're going to do stuff. stuff that's mind blowing. You're like, no, way I mean, like there have, been, there have been award winning films made entirely on iPhones. Yeah. It, it's not the tool. It's I think it's the eye. It's the eye and the mind of the, the person operating all of these tools that, that really make the magic happen. And you yeah. know what? You don't have to be like, you are anointed great person. It's just like you, some people just have that skill and they could fail just as equally as anyone else, but their highs are generally, you know, more consistently high. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think, I know this does get like very philosophical for me and I feel I, I turn back into that moody teenager because I get very much in my own head, even before I start talking about it, I get very much like on the one hand, on the other hand, where I'm like, it is art. No, wait, it's not. But what if? And like, I think it all comes down to practice. I mean, you're you're not going to be good at this stuff if you just take a couple iPhone pictures and you're like, well, I suck and just walk away. <laughs> it's like, no, you have to you have to practice. And and the more you practice, the better you're going to get at a lot of this stuff. And you might not ever reach the point of like a masterful genius, but you can get pretty great uh, with just practice. And, and I think that that's one of those things. It's like no one wants to admit that because no one wants to put in the work. 
And I think I think part of it is also just the broader ideas that we have about art, which is kind of like you can't get paid for it, mm. <laughs> where it's like, you know, someone who creates um, someone who's like a graphic designer, say, or a technical illustrator or something. A lot of people will say like, well, they're not artists because, you know, they're commercial or you know, they're part of the big machine. And I think some people feel the same way about photography. Like, well, you're not an artist if you're just like taking catalog photography like if you're doing high fashion you know vogue photographs of clothes that's art but doing catalog shots or product photography or whatever oh that's not art because that's hey not everything can be art i mean you do need you do need garbage people right like people <laughs> need to pick up the garbage no it's just it's <laughs> just it's art. just funny how how we want to like decide like what is capital a art and like what provides value and it does sometimes feel like what makes it is like do people like understand and pay you before you're dead? Mm. If yes, then you're not an artist. And and the same way, like we also, we need people who maybe are really great at getting people to talk, but don't care about or don't care to develop the skill to describe the the scent of the room and how that relates to their anxiety. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's just as as valid. And this is you know this is where where the two. You know, the two wolves inside me that do battle where one is the optimist is like, everything is art. Everyone is valid. And the other one is like this very elitist beret clad 15 year old who's like, no. Um, and I kind of like feeding the, the optimist wolf better, I think, now in my in my old age. Oh, yeah. I think feeding the optimist wolf is important, but I think it's also important to equally recognize that there is greatness in the world. You know what I mean? Like, I think that because there is greatness, it does not diminish the people that are good. You know what I mean? Like, or happy hobbyists. Right. Exactly. There's, there is a different level of, you don't want to be hurtful to people who are trying because everything is worth trying and art is always worth making no matter what. Right. (laughs) But there is going to be greatness. And that just because there is greatness doesn't mean that you shouldn't try and be happy with just making and doing. Yeah, like we keep coming back to like, it is okay both to aspire to greatness and to not aspire to greatness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that's, I think, because I can look at a feed like yours or someone else's that's, you know, more more curated, more artistic. And like, I can have sort of, you know, a, a streak of maybe a week where I do that, but then I'm like, okay, but this picture's funny or, you know, whatever, like this picture isn't greatly set up, but I can very much admire that. And I'm very happy that they exist because that, again, that takes work. Like people will be down on influencer and it's like, yeah, like scrolling through this, you might not feel super inspired, but some people will, but also, you know, they've made choices about like, this is the feeling I want my grid to have. And these are the colors that I use. And these are this is like you said, the mood that I wanted to have. And that's still an artistic choice, even if it, you know, you don't think it it's worth anything. And maybe, you know, maybe it's not greatness. Maybe it's not feeding the world or, or inspiring people to greatness or, you know, establishing new art. But it's still like it's an art form. Mm-hmm. And where I kind of sometimes want to say, like, the main reason that you're putting this down is because it's young women doing it. But that's, Ooh. you know, that's another episode. <laughs> that is another episode. We should talk about that. We really, really should. Yeah, I have feelings. <laughs> I have many feelings about like the, the you know, the, like, let's read Virginia Woolf. That'll be our homework for Ooh. next episode. But to talk about, you know, the, the, the possibilities for women to create, but also, you know, the crafts and the art and the writing of women and young women and the things that young women like and then like 15 years later some dude at the new yorker will be like hey guys have you heard of britney spears and suddenly it's yeah anyway for another episode you know what i i feel like this is the eternal discussion that we always have on almost every topic and i don't think that we're the podcast to go to to get like to learn photography but i feel like this is maybe one of those episodes like the last one where we it might be fun to have homework, even if it is really broad mm-hmm. homework. Like, I kind of want to, you know, give the homework, like, you know, lock up your inner critic, lock up your inner adult and go out and be pretentious for an Ooh, afternoon. I like you know, that. Like, just like take the pictures, put on all the filters, you know, all <laughs> of the 
all of the scratchy pixelated fake black and white film filter like whatever you want to do just like go oh my out gosh and be I like, did that so much for the first <laughs> wedding I shot I thought I was so awesome it was the worst because <laughs> because sometimes you're just like and I, I, I kind of feel the same way, you know, when people are like, you don't need to post another picture of the sunset. Everyone saw it. Everyone saw the rainbow. Everyone saw the snow. It's like, shut up. Because yeah. who cares? I like my sunsets and I like looking back at them and they're pretty and I put them on my desktop. So shut up. And sometimes <laughs> it's like, it's okay to be like, I like the way the sun played off this bench. And that's mm-hmm. okay. And just like appreciate it for the tiny, you know, fragment of time and art that it is. Okay, I like that homework. Everyone, go be pretentious yes. until we get back. <laughs> yes. A little pretension never hurt anybody. And then, obviously, please please share them if you want. You don't have to. But I like you can send them just in an email to, to me. I promise I won't share them. They will just make me happy. If you use the hashtag uh, MakeDoPod or, or tag us, we will see it. And just let us know if you don't want it shared. But... You know, send it in a DM, send it in an email, anything. I promise I'll, I'm, I'm going to London this weekend and I seriously, oh, jealous. I'm just going to go bananas and just be like, pigeons, dark building, pub sign. And I put all the filters on it. <laughs> pub sign filter. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, if uh, anyone has any questions or anything about photography, also you can find us over at uh, Make Do Pod on Twitter and you can find our show notes over at relay.fm slash make do. And you can find us individually at Tiffany Armen and at Julia Scott, S-K-O-T-T. And we will be back in a fortnight um, talking about photography a little bit more photography (laughs) a little you know photography overflow i think what happens in our show is we get overflow right because Mm -hmm. we start down we should start doing just like members only after shows kind of like dubai friday does yeah Um, we should do something because this overflow discussion it gets kind of vast because we get into these talks back and forth and then you know the the questions get that pushed aside but we will be back and until then go make and do pretentiously you know part of me is also like well you're mainly shitting on it but can we say shitting on we're you know you're mainly we can't say shitting on but you can beep it if you want <laughs> <laughs>